Well, Brett did just read this story to you from one of my favorite Bibles, but we'll see what we can do with the New Revised Standard. This is the story of the Emmaus Road from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. This story takes place after Easter, before Jesus ascends into heaven. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? Well, they stood still and looked sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? Jesus asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women in our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them. When Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? Well, that same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered there. The eleven were saying, The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? 
Gracious God, may every word spoken be filled with your spirit and be only of you. If anything spoken is human, let it fall away so that we may be left only with your word spoken into our lives. Amen. Every minister, every preacher that I know has had this same experience. And the experience is that we will get up and we will deliver our sermon. And then at the end of the service, when we're shaking hands or uh, telling people goodbye at the door, someone will inevitably say, I'm so glad I heard that sermon. I have been needing to hear it. And what I heard you say was this. And they will describe what they heard in the sermon. And invariably, it is never what I intended to say in the sermon. Every minister I know experiences this. There have been times where I will go back and listen to my sermon and say, did I, did I say that? And usually, no, it's not there. I will also tell you that I've taught a lot of classes, and I've never had a university class leave with someone saying, I heard you say this, and it was completely different. But we know that preaching is filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when people leave at the door and they tell me that they heard something completely different, I just thank God that they hear the Spirit in any way. It is also a lovely reminder that it is never the preacher. It is always the work of the Spirit. And that's what's happening here in this story of the two disciples who are walking down the road. They're going to have an experience with the Holy Spirit, an experience with Jesus Christ. And we are told as they are walking down the road that their eyes are closed. This stranger comes along and they don't know who he is and they start to have a conversation with him. And at some point they move from eyes closed to eyes opened. In the presence of Jesus. And there are two significant ways that this happens. The first is in the discussion of Scripture. You'll notice that when the disciples are talking in the passage, they talk about that great prophet Jesus, and they are so very sad that he has died. They thought, wasn't he the Messiah? They can only think in their grief about what has immediately happened with the story. And so we're told that this stranger comes along and reminds them that even back in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah had told them that the Messiah, the Messiah will suffer and will die. It takes a stranger, a different voice coming alongside them to remind them about the whole of the story, that we knew this was going to happen. And so that they can take heart in the crucifixion, that it's not the end of the story. And the second thing that happens is that they invite Jesus to stay with them, which is a radical act for that time. They invite a stranger who they don't know, who they don't know if he is a safe person, who they don't know if he will eat the same foods that they do, if he will keep the same table fellowship. But either way, they say, come and stay with us. It is a radical act of hospitality. And in that hospitality, 
they meet Jesus. Now, I will tell you in Mark's gospel, over and over again, people are eating together like good Presbyterians do. But in Luke's gospel, every time people eat together, it is a reminder of God's radical love that anyone can be invited to the table and that anyone can be fed with the love of God. So this radical hospitality is actually a radical openness to the stranger and to invite them in and share a table with them. Now you and I both know that we don't control the spirit, that we do not know when the spirit will reach out to us or when the spirit will not. But this passage reminds us that there are ways that we live our lives as Christians that open us up to the spirit. We read scripture together in community. Because when I read the scripture, I bring Tara to the scripture. And that means that I often can only see what Tara sees. And so it's important to sit around a table with other brothers and sisters in Christ and listen to what they have to share. It should always be a communal effort. We may do it in our own private devotions. But I encourage you to also find a place in your life where you can read scripture with another. Preferably someone different than you that the Lord may speak to in a new way. When we are engaged in the communal reading of scripture, our Lord is always there. And we also have to be a people who are radically open to the stranger, who are willing to radically love others. It is counterintuitive to think that by welcoming someone you are uncomfortable with, that the spirit will show up. And yet time and time again, that's what we are told in the scriptures. That we have to also practice radical hospitality. We have to welcome extravagantly and love generously. Because the spirit is always in that too. And so we don't control the spirit. But we should be a people who have the scriptures open to them in community. And who love radically. For in those two things, our Lord and Savior is always present. So I will tell you that I have a really good friend who every time he interviews for a new job at a church, he talks about a lot of things, he asks a lot of questions, but the bottom line for my friend David whenever he is interviewing with a church is, will being in community with this church make me a better Christian? Because he believes his calling before anything else is to become a better follower of Jesus Christ. And I think about that a lot because you have made me a better Christian. My faith has grown in community with you. And I hope that you can look around and see your brothers and sisters and know that your faith has grown too because you've been in community. And I have to tell you, I'm a little worried. I worry that after COVID, people might find that they like pajama church and they decide to stay home and watch online. Remember that gathering together as the body of Christ means that the spirit will be in our midst. Let us be open to listening and to being changed. And may we all become better Christians than we were before. Thanks be to God. Amen.